Good. How, how would you guys like to? How would you like to have to follow that? No. <laughs> oh, thank you. I will preach the word. I'm going to do that right now. We're going to be studying from the book of. Well, I'm not going to tell you what book yet. I'm not going to tell you for just a minute because we've uh, um, got a couple other things we're going to do first. So, um, let me just start by giving you a couple of things that are going on this week. Today, we have a meeting about our youth ministry, uh, both the search for a youth minister. So, those of you that are here from Texas, if you guys have an awesome youth minister at your church, please give us their name and phone number. We'd just like to talk to them and tell them how great you think they are. And uh, so you guys that are teenagers, the parents, anybody that's interested in our youth ministry, we're going to talk about that. And we're also going to talk about our plans for the month of August. What is our youth group going to do now that our youth minister is gone? Well, we're going to keep doing some awesome things. So right here, right, right where Cody is, raise your hand, Cody, right there. That's where we're going to have that meeting. And we're going to have it pretty quick after church is... After Pretty quick after our worship time is over. We're going to have it right there. Yeah, Cody and Cody. And uh, so that'll last 10 minutes, and then we'll be done. Uh, also, this week, in the, in the summertime, we do some other things besides stay inside of a building. Because we live in the mountains, so why not go uh, enjoy the mountains? And this Wednesday night, we're going to go over to the softball field that's just over here, kind of behind McDonald's. It's on Gavilan Canyon that little softball field where the softball girls play. We're going to meet there at 6.30. We're going to play softball, and we're also going to have ice cream. And so we'd love for you to come out and join together. It's going to be a fun time to be together as, uh, as we just fellowship with one another. So I hope you can be there. Uh, also, just be praying for me and my family, uh, Josh and Amy and my daughter, Raina, and myself, we're all going to leave this afternoon and go up to Red River. Hey, buddy. How's it, how's it going? You want to help? Give me five, man. All right. Where's your mama? Oh, there's your sis. Go with your sis. Yeah. Got a runaway. That's all right. That's all right. It's all good, man. We're just a family here, so they can run around all he wants. Okay, so... So we're going to go to Red River this afternoon. We're going to meet my brother and his family, and all eight of us are going to camp out for three nights. And so it's supposed to rain up there. There's like a 101% chance of rain for the next three days. So pray for us and uh, for safety. We're just going to take a few days to rest and have a little vacation. And I thank, thank the elders here for giving us time to take off to do that. Well, we like to say some words, uh, two words around here, and a lot of you don't know what those words are because you're visiting. In, in fact, we won't embarrass you too much, but how many of you today are guests? You don't, you're not a member, but you're a guest. Raise your hand and look around. Look around just for a second. Look at all the guests. We're so glad you're here. Thank you guys for being here. It's awesome. So we like to say a couple of words. I'll say them out loud, and then you can say them. And I, I think they're words that everybody in here believes, so you can say them with all your heart. Here they are. Grace and peace. Amen. We need those. We need those two words every single day of our life. Well, as you saw, VBS uh, was this week, and in my opinion, it was a great success. VBS uh, was a time when we had about 60 or 65 children from our community who came here, and they were taught, I, I learned this, that these are flags that, have, that stand for letters, nautical flags. Is that, what they're, is that what they are, Steve? You know what they are, nautical 
So what it, I'm, I'm going to test Steve. What's that letter right there? <laughs> no, that's not what it says. That right there is a G, and so this stands for God is what? Good. And this one right here is a G at the end with three letters. God is big, and this one is a, with G at the end with five letters. God is I feel like Vanna White up here. Okay, so God is, God is good, God is big, and God is strong. And that's what these kids, 60, 65 kids, were learning about this week. And uh, I just thought it was a great success. We, uh, there were some changes this year in VBS. And I just want you to know that our mission at Gateway is not to keep things exactly the same forever. Nope. Our mission at Gateway is to grow closer to Christ and encourage others to grow closer to Christ. And that's what happened this week at VBS. We accomplished our mission. And so uh, I really am thankful for those who helped out with Vacation Bible School, and I'm continuing to pray that God will work in those lives of those kids and families. We, we have a boat here. If you didn't know that's what this is, we're in the ocean, and you guys in the middle are in the boat, and you guys on the outside are swimming, okay? So, uh, so this is the boat, and we just thought we'd leave it up, and we're going to need a little help after services today to take the boat down. We need you guys to pull the pins out and, and like get the cardboard and take it out to the recycling. We need some of you that can climb on ladders to get the ladder out of the gym and take these sails down and take down the flags that are in the next room over. So if you can help us do that after church, that'll, that'll save us from spending hours doing that. If a few, what is it, few, uh, many hands? Make light work. So that's what we need a little help today, uh, finishing that up. Well, if we're sitting in a boat, then, uh, or we're in the water, I figure my sermon should match the surroundings, right? And so here's what I want, wanted to do today, is I just wanted to ask, I might need a little help from you guys, so I can think of a place in the Bible that has to do with water, or has to do with a boat. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to come out, and I'm going to let you tell me some places in the Bible where there was either boats or water, so I can decide what I might preach on. So, uh, Forrest, let me, let me hold this back over there, and let's see if you can tell us. What's one thing? Sea of Galilee, whenever Jesus walked across water. Okay, when Jesus walked on the water. That's a good one. So, what did that teach us about Jesus? Okay, well, yeah, look to him to, for faith and promise. He's God, right? So, that's awesome. Well, let me, I'll get over there, Cody. Who back here? Somebody, somebody, somebody in the... In the section back here of people who know the Bible well. Barney, tell us something about water or a boat. Noah and the ark. Noah and the ark. What can we learn about, from God about Noah and the ark? He saved the world by doing that. Okay, he saved the world from, by doing that. Why don't you just give me this microphone for a minute. Uh, over here on this side, we'll get one person from the middle over here. Everybody's going, oh, don't come. Don't, don't ask me. Don't. Who wants to do it over here? I, I won't make you. Who does? Billy does? Roy? Okay, Roy volunteered you. What's a good water or boat story in the Bible? I think you've covered all of them. Is that, is that all of them? Okay, all right. Anybody else over here? Got a, okay, yeah, good. What do you got? What's one right here? Red Sea. Okay, the Red Sea. Yeah, God parted the waters. Man, that's awesome. What's another one? The Jonah and the whale. Ooh. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, we got one more. Cody, what's another something about water or a boat? 
Well, it's when Jesus fell asleep on the boat and his friends and Peter and the others were sailing and there was a big storm and they were, and were panicking crazy. They were panicking crazy. Why do you think God put that in the Bible? Maybe because sometimes we're panicking crazy, aren't we? We need to remember Jesus is in control. What do you got, Ella? I got um, where uh, someone had a shipwreck in the Bible. Yeah, somebody had a shipwreck. Paul, that's exactly right. There might have been some other shipwrecks too, but that was definitely one of them. Okay, those are all good. I chose Jonah. So good job there. Great job. Jonah is who I chose. And I want to tell you a couple of reasons, three reasons why I chose Jonah. When I thought about a boat, I thought about water. And, and it is because of this. All of, uh, all of us, I think, can relate to Jonah's story. God asked Jonah, listen to this close. God asked Jonah to do something that he did not want to do. Jonah, go preach to the Ninevites, this great city. Go preach to your enemies. And Jonah didn't want to go preach to his enemies. I mean, maybe punch his enemies. Maybe put his enemies in their place. Maybe punish his enemies, but not preach to his enemies. Has God ever asked you to do something that you did not want to do? If so, this story is for you. You're in the boat with Jonah. Jonah, here's another reason. Jonah did not obey. God said, I want you to go 500 miles to the northeast. I'm trying to figure out what's north. North, northeast. To the northeast, 500 miles. Where would that be, about Oklahoma City? So are we calling Oklahoma City the Ninevites, maybe? Okay, so go 500 miles to the northeast, and he did not obey. He went, he tried to go about 2,000 miles to the west and then back to the north. He turned the opposite direction of where God told him to. He avoided, he ran away. He said, God, that is way too hard. I am not doing that. I am going the other direction. Have you ever said any words like that to God? Have you ever avoided the very thing that God was telling you to do? If you have, this story's for you. You're in the boat with Jonah. Here's the third reason. Jonah ended up where all rebellious people or rebellious seasons of life end up, and that's in a storm. That's in a dark place. That's on rock bottom, looking up and crying out to God. And you see that in chapter 2 of Jonah, this beautiful prayer of Jonah, but it's only after he's gone all the way and hit rock bottom. Have you ever been there? You ever been running away from God? Have you ever been falling on your face and then finally looking up to God? If that's the case, then let me tell you something. This story is for you because you're in the boat with Jonah. We're in a series, and it's called Christian Atheist. What in the world is a Christian Atheist? This comes from a book that I read 
back in October by Craig Grishel. I'm going to talk a little bit about it this morning, just about a story he tells. But Christian is somebody who believes in God. Yeah, I believe. Yes, absolutely. I trust Christ. I go to church. Yes, I'm a Christian. But I live the rest of my life, Monday through Saturday, as if God did not exist. That's an atheist. And today we're going to think about one idea. Not going to bounce all over to a thousand places. We're going to do one thing. We're going to talk about forgiveness. That's what we're going to do. Because I believe it's one of the toughest subjects in the Bible. I believe this is one of the easiest places, if we'll get honest, if we'll be honest today, this is one of the easiest places for all of us to live like a Christian atheist, believing in God on Sunday, but unforgiving the rest of the week. Unforgiveness was Jonah's problem, and for some of us, it's ours too. And so we're going to pray, and then we'll be reading from Jonah chapter 3. So I invite you to pray with me, and we'll be praying for one other church in town as we always do every week. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for these children and these teenagers. My heart is full of joy as I see these young people on stage. I can't imagine anybody's heart who wouldn't be full of joy at that, God. It's hard for me to fathom that people wouldn't be just bursting with thankfulness to see these teenagers leading these children and these children excited about the fact that you're for us. Uh, God, I just thank you for them. I'm so grateful. We pray, as we are every night, we pray, God, for you to bring us a a youth minister, bring us somebody that will work well with our teens and our families and our church family. We just ask you to speak to us, God, and bring us the right person. Lord, uh, we also want to pray, as we do every week, for another church. And today I want to pray for the Canaan Trail Baptist Church over in toward Capitan, and I just want to pray especially for Roland this week. I know that he's having a difficult week with a loss in his family and having to do a funeral that's tough, and I just pray for Roland. I pray for their church family. God, we pray that today when Roland preaches that he would, that he would tell the story of Jesus, that he, would, that he would explain how awesome Jesus is, and that when people look toward him and they see the sacrifice he made, that you would draw their hearts to you. Thank you, God, for this church family. Thank you for these guests that are here today. We pray you'd bless each of us and that you would help us now to learn from your word, from the story of Jonah, what you want us to know. We pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Jonah chapter 3. We'll read all of chapter 3 and a little bit of chapter 4 today. Here's the beginning of Jonah chapter 3. This is what it says. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. What great words. A second time time. Oh, thank you, God, for those words a second time. Get up, he said. Go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I've given to you. There are some of you who are here today, and you can relate because God has given you a second chance, a second time, a second season, a second word. And if that's the case, this story is for you today because you're in the boat with Jonah. Some of you are so, so, so thankful that God has given you a second chance. You are overwhelmed with gratefulness, so much so that no matter what God told you to do, 
If he did speak to you today and say, go to Oklahoma City, you would get in your car and go because you're so full of gratefulness that you're not in the horrible place you were just last month or the horrible spot you were in a year ago or the terrible addiction you dealt with last, last week. And you are full of grateful. Oh, thank you, God, for the second chance. What about Jonah? Does he have that same heart? Let's see. He says in verse 3 and 4, This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command. He went to Nineveh, a city so large it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Well, he is obeying God, but I wouldn't exactly say that his heart seems to be full of joy and thankfulness. I'm not sure that I see that in these verses. His sermon is, I wouldn't say the most encouraging or the most inspirational sermon that I've ever read, the most heartfelt. I would say he's barely doing the minimum that God asked him to do. He could have told the people, let me tell you how great my God is. Let me tell you that he saved me from drowning. Let me tell you that in the middle of a storm, he stilled that storm. He provided a fish to swallow me. My God is so awesome. He answered my prayer. He miraculously saved my life on a stinky beach of fish vomit. He could have told that story. But he doesn't do that. He just tells one sentence. He kind of reminds me, I mean, just to me anyways, a little bit of Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator. I'll be back. 40 days. You're toast. That's what he sounds like. That's the sermon. 40 days, you're toast. That's it. That's the sermon. That's all he's got. It's sort of like Jonah is stuck between disobeying God and obeying God. Whoa. He's not being quote-unquote rebellious anymore. He's just not enthusiastic about doing what God told him to do. He's going through the motions. He's keeping the rules, sure. And some of you who are here today, you can relate to that. You can relate to Jonah. You don't want to run back to the wickedness that was your life a while ago. But you also are doing the bare minimum with God. And it's kind of a miserable place to live. And if that's you, this story is for you today. You're in the boat with Jonah. Well, let's see what happens as we keep going. When he gives his uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger sermon, let's see how, how it affects the people. Here we go, verse 5. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and he took off his royal robes and he dressed himself in burlap and he sat on a heap of ashes. And then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and your flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all of their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. 
Well, what did God do? Verse 10, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Wow, amazing, incredible. Everybody repents. God changed his mind. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? Well, to Jonah, no. Not so much. Not in Jonah's eyes. In his eyes, it's horrible. He doesn't want these people to turn. He wants them to burn. He doesn't want these people to get better. He wants them to get what they deserve. He doesn't want these people to have God hand out mercy. He wants to see God hand down punishment. How do I know Jonah feels that way? Because I read the next chapter. Look at chapter 4 and verse 1. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. He just crossed his arms and he, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but I think he was like this. He became very angry. And he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew, I knew this about you. You are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. I knew that about you. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. I'll tell you what, God, just kill me now. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted is not going to happen. Man, that is some bitterness inside of Jonah's heart. I mean, that is some ugly, icky, gross, nasty, sinful, black heart stuff, right? Isn't that what's in there inside of Jonah to say all those words? But before we get too rough on Jonah, let's remember this. These Ninevites are his sworn enemies. They've hurt him. They've hurt his family. They've taken land away. They've threatened people that he loves. They've caused him to lose sleep, I'm sure. They've never, ever one single time come and begged for mercy for what they've done. They haven't even gone as far as to say, I'm sorry. There's nothing they've done that deserves God to be merciful. Not one single thing. That's Jonah's story, but let's be honest about our own story for just a moment. Maybe we're in the same boat as Jonah. Who has hurt you? Who has hurt your family? Who's stolen property from you? Or who's stolen a piece of your heart and thrown it on the ground? Or your soul? Who's done that to you? Who's threatened you and caused you to lose sleep? Or maybe even caused you to, use, to lose years of your life? Who is it that's betrayed you, lied to you, purposely deceived you? Who is the person who has never one single time come back like they should and fell on their knees and begged you to forgive them? Who is that person? In fact, they have, forget that. They never even just said, I'm sorry. 
Who's the person that's done that to you? Who's the person in your story that does not deserve God's mercy? In this book, Craig, who is a pastor in Oklahoma City, he, he writes about a man who is a close family friend who hurt his sister in ways that I'm not going to say out loud here because we've got our children with us today. And in this story, Craig describes the years of bitterness after they found out what this man in his 30s and 40s had done to a minor. The years of hatred. The years of weight that he lived through. The years that he would talk to God and say, God... I do not want to forgive this man. And I sure don't want you to forgive this man. I don't want anything ever, 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 ever good to happen to this man. In fact, God, I'm just going to tell you, I hate this person for what they did to my sister. Now, if that's you today, then this story from Jonah is for you. Because you're in a similar boat, aren't you? One of the amazing things to me in the story of Jonah is to look and see how everyone and every single thing in the book obeys God. Have you ever thought about that? Everybody and everything. The storm obeys God. The lots that they rolled the dice, those dice obeyed God so they would know which person it fell to. The pagan sailors who didn't even know this guy named Yahweh, this God, they obey. The fish, the giant fish obeys God. The Gentiles in that city of Nineveh, they all obey God. The little plant in chapter 4 obeys God. The worm in chapter 4 obeys God. The east wind obeys God. Everyone and everything in the entire book obeys God except for one, Jonah. Jonah disobeys, and he's got good reason to. But when he finally does obey, you know how he does it? He does it reluctantly. He does it with a horrible attitude. He does it complaining and whining and pouting like a little baby. Probably like I was when I was a teenager. My mom and dad made me carry the trash out. Not that any of the teenagers here are ever like that. Just when I was a kid and I was a teenager. And I would finally obey. I would do it reluctantly and pouting and whining like a little baby. One of the things I love about our God, I love this about our God, is that he will take our obedience even when we barely want to do it. He'll take it and he'll use it for his glory. It's incredible. 
And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, man, I wish I wouldn't have come to church today. I didn't want to think about that person. I didn't want to think about that blankety blank, blank, blank. But I do want to obey God. I want to. I love him and I want to obey him, but oh, I wish I wouldn't have come today because I didn't want to think about this. How do I do it? If I want to obey God, but I don't want to forgive somebody, how do I do that? Well, I'm going to give you three suggestions as we finish today. And I want to just start by saying it's hard work. And it's one of the places we find out whether we're a Christian atheist or whether we're a follower of Christ. So here's three suggestions for us today as we finish. And that is, number one, pray for the person whether you feel like it or not. Pray for the person whether you feel like it or not. I'm going to ask all of you to read that out loud with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Pray for the person whether you feel like it or not. Some of you needed to say that out loud because you really were choking on that. You didn't, want, you didn't like that, that, that. That's up there. Luke chapter 6, verse 28. Jesus' own words. Bless those. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. That is hard work. When I was 30, 31, I think. When I was 31, we had our first child, Raina, Noel. And then when I was 33, we had our next child, Joshua Brock. And when we had those two kids, I started changing diapers. I want to make that crystal clear. I had never changed a diaper in my life before that, nor have I changed a diaper since then. I figure if I get to help make it, I have to change it. Otherwise, not so much. Not interested, okay? So I start changing these little babies. Now, some of you, you're like, oh, that's so easy. That's no big deal. But I'm telling you, for me, when I started, it was hard work, there's one famous story around the Duncan house, and I'm not going to tell you the whole details, but let me just tell you, stuff went everywhere. I mean, it went all, like on me and my face, on the wall behind me, and we just, uh, we just refer to it uh, kind of, you know, with a lot of joy in our heart as the fountain de caca. But um, <laughs> that was hard work. That was hard work changing Babies, diapers for me. But I want to tell you something that happened. As I changed those diapers, it changed me. It changed me. I already loved these two kids when they were born, before they were born. But I'm telling you, as I was changing their diapers, it's like the love inside of me grew even more. I loved them more as I served them. And I also began to realize as I was doing that, that the whole world doesn't center around, like there's a whole universe and there's one little middle part and it's John Duncan. You know, like that's the middle of the universe, the most important part. I started realizing, wow, we're here to serve other people. We're here to love other people. That's what we're here for. God changed me by doing hard work. And I believe it's the same with prayer for the person you don't want to pray for. You start praying 
for that person who's hurt you, and God will start to change you on the inside. I've experienced this in my own life. For people that I was angry at or that had hurt me or that I didn't want to forgive and I decided I was going to obey anyways and I started praying for the person and God started changing my heart. I started praying for the person to be blessed. I started praying for the person to have success. I started praying for the person to see God in their life and to be for the, uh, experience the forgiveness of God and, and God changed my heart toward those people. It works when we obey the one we're following. Pray for those people, whether you feel like it or not. The second thing is this. Remember all the things God has forgiven you for in your life. Think about them. Meditate on them. Make a list of those things. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Colossians 3.13 says this. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Yeah, that's what we're talking about, God. That's what we're saying. We want to obey you, but how do we do that? And he goes on right after that, Colossians 3.13. How do we do it? Remember. Remember. You have to remember something if you want to forgive other people. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. How do I forgive other people? I start to remember that time. Oh, oh I remember that time I lied. I lied to Barbara. You remember that, Barbara? I'm so sorry again. I shouldn't, I, I, I've already told you I'm sorry. I, I'm so embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. I wish I would, that would have never happened. But God's forgiven me for that. I remember the times I've cheated. I remember the times I've disappointed people. I remember the times when I've abandoned friends that I told them I'd be there. I remember the times when I've gossiped and talked about people behind their back. God's forgiven me for all that. Whatever you have experienced, if you've experienced Hatred or lust or greed or murder or prostitution. It doesn't matter what you've experienced. If you're a follower of Christ, you've asked for forgiveness, then God has forgiven you. Remember it. Be thankful for it. Let gratefulness bubble out of you so you can forgive other people. And here's the third one. Ask God to help you forgive the person. Ask God to help you forgive the person. Some of you may be here today and you may be thinking, man, this is, this is a great sermon, you know, that's good, yeah, forgiveness. Like Brandon said, we're all supposed to forgive, but I really don't want to think about this because it's impossible, John, it's impossible for me to forgive what this person did to me, what this person did to my family, what this person did to my kid or my grandkid. That is impossible, John, and I'm going to tell you that you are right it is impossible for you to forgive some of the things that people are going to do to you in this life. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says this, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You can't do it. But if you'll ask God to help you, he will do it in you, through you. We can do things that seem or perhaps are impossible, we can when we ask God for help. The end, the end of Craig's story that I told you about, about the man who hurt his sister, pretty amazing. A miracle, he says, happened in his heart. I just want you to hear his own words, just a couple of sentences. 
My heart was stone hard, and only God could soften it to the point that I could even consider forgiving this person who hurt my sister. Miraculously, that's what God did to this very day. I don't know exactly how or when it happened, but I did, by God's grace, forgive Max for the sin that he did against my sister. With God's help, I had done what was humanly impossible. And this is what he said happened to him. I felt spiritual weight lifted off my shoulders. I felt like the Bible became clearer to me than it had been in years. And I felt nearer to God and purer in heart than I had in a very long time. And there's more. It's not just that good things happened to him when the miraculous happened. He went on to write a letter to this man and tell him, I forgave you, and tell him that God could forgive him. And the man was sick, and he was on his deathbed. And after the man died, the nurse found Craig and said this. The caregiver explained that Max's eyesight had deteriorated and that he had asked her to read the letter. He couldn't read anymore. According to the nurse, he listened with tears streaming down his face. He asked her to pray the prayer with him. She recalled that his whole countenance changed as he asked Christ to forgive him and make him new. And he died a few days later. Folks, we have no idea what God can do with the power of forgiveness in our life and in other people's lives. That's the end of Craig's story. What about the end of Jonah's story? What about the end of Jonah's story? Well, it ends with an interesting verse. God asks Jonah a question about his enemy, about the one who has wronged him, about the one who's hurt him and destroyed his country and his family. And this is the question God asks right here. Oops. There's the third point in case you didn't get it. Here's what God asked. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And that's the end of the book question mark we don't know how Jonah responded we don't know how his story ended and I think the reason for that is that God is not asking Jonah the question he's asking you the question I forgave you I pardoned your sins I died for your rebellious wicked black ugly heart I forgive you even though all of you in this room with me at the front of the line at the front of the line, do not deserve his forgiveness. And he asks us this question. Shouldn't I forgive your enemy? Shouldn't I feel sorry for your enemy? He's asking you right this minute. He's asking you this right here on the, on the screen. Shouldn't I feel sorry for, and you put the person's name in there. I'm, I'm right now putting the person's name in there that I'm struggling with today. Shouldn't I feel sorry for this person? How will your story end? That's really the question today, isn't it? Are you going to stay in the boat with Jonah? A Christian atheist says something like this. I believe in God. And I do lots of things for God, but I will never, ever, 
ever forgive that person. That's a Christian atheist. A true follower of Christ says, I believe in Christ, I believe he died for my sins, and as much as I don't like it and it's hard for me and I struggle with it, I believe he died for the sins of my enemy too. And even though I don't want to, and even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to obey the one I'm following, Jesus Christ, and I'm going to do the hard work of forgiving my enemy. It may take me a long time. It ain't going to happen in one church service, that's for sure. But I'm going to forgive my enemy just like God forgave me. There may be some of you here today who you're thinking, you know, I don't really have anybody to forgive. I mean, there's nobody that's really in my heart. I'm not really angry or bitter or mad at anybody. But it's very, I'm going to say it's almost, it's very, very likely that you have had to forgive somebody in the past, haven't you? And, and it is probable that you will have to forgive another person in the future because this is universal, folks. We live in a broken world and we're broken people and hurt people hurt people. You're going to get hurt again if you live long enough on this earth. Some of you are not there today. Some of you today, like me, there's someone you need to forgive today. Not a long time ago and not someday, but right now, today. You need to start the work in your heart today. I'm struggling with forgiving a person. It's not a person who goes to this church, in case anybody here is thinking, oh, I didn't call John back. Okay, it's not. It, it's, it's nobody that goes to this church. All right? And I've really only confessed it to one friend. But there's a person that... I am so angry with that I, I, want, I, want, I want to run over this person with my truck. I'm not joking. I mean, I'm, being, I'm, tell, I'm trying to confess to you. And I know it's kind of funny. It sounds like an overstatement, but it's not. I'm so angry. And I need prayers. I'm going to be the first one today to raise my hand and say... Please pray for me, because I have not been doing what I preach today. I've not been praying for this person. I'm just confessing to you, and I need to start. And I've not been asking God, God, help me forgive this person. I haven't been doing that. I've just been being angry and mad. And I'm going to give you the opportunity. We're not going to close our eyes or bow our head today. I'm just going to give you the opportunity. If you, like me, need prayer, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand right now. Just to raise your hand up if there's someone. Keep them up, please. There's somebody that you need to forgive. And those of you around, I just want you to look and see. I'm looking at some of you down here. I want you to look around at these people you know. Because some of us are going to pray for each other. And I'm, I'm going to ask. He, he didn't know I was going to do this. You can put your hands down. But I'm going to ask one of our elders to finish our lesson today. And uh, I know we're supposed to finish with an invitation song, but we're not, Brian. Okay? But Brian's one of our elders. Did you raise your hand? You didn't raise your hand, did you? I didn't see it. So that's why I want to ask you, because you're in a better place than I am. Okay? Today, not always, but just today. So Brian is one of our elders, and I'm going to ask him to pray for us. Brian, come on up here, 
And I'm going to ask all of us one more time, everybody who did raise your hand, I want you to raise your hand one more time. I want Brian to be able to look across here, okay? With your hand up, and then Brian's going to finish our service today and lead us in prayer. God, we, God, we come before you this morning humble in heart. We confess that we get hurt in this life and that sometimes we willingly and sometimes maybe kind of cheerfully hold on to those hurts. Maybe we even make them bigger than what they were. Father, we, like Brandon said, we certainly cherish your grace and your peace when it comes to me, but sometimes we don't feel that way about others. We don't want you to extend the same mercy to others. So, Father, I pray for everyone that raised their hand, but also each of us, Father, that we can let go of the, the tight grip that we have on hurts from the past and release them to you. And Father, we know that we are human we are created in your image, but we act so differently from you so many times. And Father, that to be like you in this most godly characteristic is beyond us. And so we beg, we plead for your spirit to come in and fill in what is lacking in us and change us on the inside. so that we can find the strength in you to do what you call us to do, to forgive and to release these hurts and these feelings and these thoughts that we have held captive maybe for a short while or maybe for a long while and release that person to you. Father, we know you are good, you are just, and you have their best interest in mind and ours as well. Thank you for being the forgiver, so much so that you sent your, yourself, Jesus, in the flesh for the sole purpose of paying our debt to forgive us. Thank you for that grace, for that mercy. Teach us to extend it to everyone, because that is your desire, that all should come to, to repentance, that all should come to know you and turn from, from their sins. It's in Jesus' name I pray.